Hello everyone. Welcome to this episode of Personae Extraordinaire. Through this interview series, I'm attempting to profile people who've made an extraordinary impact in their respective fields to engage and uplift others and help them be the best versions of themselves. Today's guest holds a very special place in my heart, and I'm indeed honored to introduce to you someone whose presence in my life I cherish immensely. A very warm welcome to Ms. Usha. Usha currently heads the data science research at EXA Protocol, and she's the world's first woman triple Kaggle Grandmaster. She specializes in deep learning and probabilistic graphic models, and is also was also one of the judges of Tiger Graph, Graph for All Million Dollar Challenge in 2022, and the judge for Intel One API Hackathon organized by Intel Software in 2022. She is ranked as one of the top 10 data scientists in India for the year 2020 by Analytics India Magazine, ranked as top 10 women data scientists by Analytical Analytics Insight Magazine for 2021, and also ranked as top 150 AI leaders and influencers by 3AI Magazine. She organized NeuroAI, which is India's first ever research symposium in the interface of neuroscience and data science. She also organized the Neurodiversity India Summit, which is India's first ever conference in neurodiversity. She is one of the first winners of the ML in Action competition organized by ML Developer Programs team at Google, and her team won first place in the WIDS 2022 Datathon organized by Stanford University. She's also a winner of the Kaggle ML Research Spotlight for 2022. A very warm welcome, ma'am. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be part of those initiatives and I look up to you a lot in this uh, advocacy space and it's my pleasure and honor to be your guest at this. Uh, you're doing great work and continue doing great work. I'm all here to support you in whatever initiatives you take up. Thank you so much, ma'am. Okay, so to start off, what is a fun fact about yourself? This can be a favorite animal, food, hobby or anything else. Okay, uh, something about me is I used to be an athlete back in school and I was a cocoa uh, player. And uh, I'd be present. I, I was born and brought up in Chennai uh, from uh, Tamil Nadu, but I currently stay in Bangalore. So I've represented during my school days and universities, I've represented uh, Tamil Nadu twice in the national games. And uh, I also, uh, outside Coco, I also run. I mean, I take up 100 meters, 200 meters, 100 and 400 meters relay, but not at the national level. At the zones and the state level, I've won a lot of medals. And I always have this uh, passion and interest for sports. I wanted to take up sports as my profession as well at some point in my life, but it didn't happen. And, but I still keep in touch with uh, sports in some form or the other. Currently, I'm learning uh, Muay Thai, which is a form of a martial arts. And uh, I'm like training in one of the good centers in Bangalore. And uh, so uh, they teach five forms of martial arts. And right now I'm focusing on Muay Thai, which is the national game of Thailand as well. So I would highly recommend, you know, Lord, uh, everyone who's watching this to also take up some form of a martial arts or the other. Uh, for me, it has been a great journey so far, and it has really helped me, uh, you know, build a lot of mental resilience. A byproduct of attending those sessions has uh, been, you know, building a strong mental resilience, and it has, you know, penetrated into 
a lot more other aspects of the life as well uh, so yeah this is about me You're such a multi-talented personality, Usha, ma'am. But somehow seeing you seamlessly segue between IT and advocacy for neurodiversity, I'm not at all surprised. It's really rare that career paths follow a straight line from where they started to where they are today. Would you please care to share a little bit about your own journey? Who or what was your inspiration and some interesting experiences along the way that shaped you as a person? yeah sure uh so i uh although i had mentioned earlier like you know i wanted to pursue sports as my career uh because i was doing really good at that point of time but then uh, my parents did not allow me to pursue sports as my uh, full time career they said you know you can just participate in events but not take it up as an career so after i did my engineering and computer science i got placed in uh, some it companies and startups where i was predominantly working on building products for uh, investment banking software and uh, co-banking software most of the international banks i was you know behind the scenes working for them building products and so i always had uh, over the period of time i've developed a lot of interest for quantitative finance it was very interesting a lot of mathematics uh, was there Uh, so I had to clear a lot of mandatory certifications to be part of the certain projects and all that. So I always thought I would be, uh, you know, pursuing finance as my career till the end. Uh, but then fate, as it fate had some other plans for me. I accidentally uh, got into some kind of a data science project. I just took data science courses by chance. I never thought it would be my career at any point. I was just randomly taking a lot of more uh, data science courses, just studying it out of passion. And then it so happened I took up a uh, data science project as a part time project at some point, and the project was very successful. It clicked really well. and uh, things happened one after the other then you know i uh, got i became a data scientist and you know i was taking up a lot of consulting projects and uh, so it was very good and right now this year i've joined as a chief of research at exa protocol i'm also one of the founding members there and uh, this is a very interesting project and uh, you know at exa we are building a decentralized storage system for mobile and uh, we've just completed we have published our first research paper which got selected in iim uh, bangalore analytics conference as well and we've also like completed our elo paper which is how the entire product works and all that and uh, so yeah my role specifically involves building a lot of ai based algorithms to prevent hackers from entering the network so i would put it as a lot more work in the intersection of cyber security and uh, you know uh, artificial intelligence uh, to prevent hackers and miners from you know destroying or uh, causing any harm to the uh, decentralized network which we are trying to build Yeah this is about my roughly about my career journey. So it's so impressive the way you've used different learnings from your day job to add value to an area where you, where you're so passionate. I have so so much to learn from you and I'm so glad our paths crossed man. You're very active in advocacy nationally and internationally around neurodiversity and you're closely associated with the Neurodiversity India Summit. Can you explain what exactly the summit is about and what it aims to achieve? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Neurodiversity India Summit uh, third edition happened recently where 
uh, you were one of the speakers at the summit. And uh, so the summit had its inception in uh, 2020, uh, where we had the first inception of the summit. We are almost into three years right now. And uh, there's a lot of progress in advocacy uh, we could explicitly see in many of the organizations. In 2020, when we started the first edition, there was not much response from the corporate organizations or the startup to even engage in a conversation. They were not willing to even listen. And uh, there were few organizations, uh, you know, who were, uh, you know, very strong advocates participated in the first and second edition, but not many of them. But in the third year, we saw enormous response. Uh, our speaker list also grew from, you know, age 16 to now 80. And uh, so there's a lot of participation and interest from the corporates, and which is seen from the number of companies who participated in the pre-conference summit. So we had four free conferences summit, the first one in Google, then we had one in Publicity API, and then two of them in um, IBM, where we brought in like a clinical, you know, neurosurgeon psychiatrists to come and create an awareness sessions. So this was a huge hit. We had a total of 500 people in the pre-conference sessions for the organizations to agree to, uh, you know, uh, agree for to, you know, even make us part of their schedule, event schedule to help, you know, allow us to come and conduct an awareness sessions for their employees itself is a great leap. You know, back into in just two, three, uh, you know, years, you know, the whole mindset of people uh, has changed a lot. And now organizations are more willing to open up and more willing to have conversations around neurodiversity, which itself is a great uh, success for us. And uh, in the future years, we are planning to extend a lot more. Uh, one more thing which I would like to add is back in 2019, we had a predecessor to Neurodiversity India Summit, which was called NeuroAI. So NeuroAI is one of the first research symposium in the interface of neuroscience and uh, data science. And uh, we had a lot of top 50 neuroscientists across the world come and speak at the summit as well. And uh, we had a lot of dialogues and discussions on how AI and other technologies can help neurodiverse people. And uh, because of the pandemic, we were not able to have offline sessions after the 2019 uh, summit. But uh, we are looking forward to organize more such neuro AI summits as well in future, where, you know, having more dialogues or discussions around how technology can be used to help neurodiverse people will definitely uh, be a leap forward in this uh, initiative. And uh, uh, yeah, I in my capacity, personal capacity, I also, you know, give a lot of talks on AI for autism. So I, uh, you know, talk about the use cases of how artificial intelligence can be used to help autistic people as well. So these are some of the initiatives which I've been running through. I'm looking forward to expand it and, you know, uh, more aggressively advocate in the future. Uh, let's see how it turns out. And by the way, thank you for uh, you know being a part of this year's summit. I do hope to host you in future summits. It's, it's my pleasure, ma'am. And the pandemic has brought to the forefront conversations about neurodiversity, and this will help become uh, this will help DEI become more than just a buzz phrase that is mentioned here and there. I am so grateful to you for having given me an opportunity to speak at the Neurodiversity India Summit. And I do hope to continue to speak at this August Forum going forward.
I personally think that ableism and social and structural issues like lack of accessibility continue to present barriers for people with disabilities around the world. What, in your opinion, are the best ways to tackle these barriers? And can you give us some examples of the best practices that you've come across? Yeah, definitely. This is a very, very important question. Thank you so much for asking it. So one of the first things which I would like to list as a best practices uh, see, when uh, when there are decisions which are made for neurodiverse people or when there are decisions which are made for people with disabilities, uh, then we must have, if there's a board or a committee which is formed, we must have people with disabilities on the board as a decision makers or, you know, when there are laws or, you know, policies which is being framed for organizations with regards to neurodiversity, there should be neurodiverse people themselves sitting on the board because neurodiverse people should be the right people who can decide for themselves. And uh, so this I see, uh, you know, uh, you know, as a very, very important stepping stone. And a lot of organizations at the moment do not have neurodiverse people sitting on the board when they make laws and policies for neurodiversity. And the same with applies for disabilities as well. That has to, uh, you know, change. And the second thing is when in terms of hiring process as well, organizations should have more neurodiverse people and people with disabilities as, uh, you know, decision makers in the prime vital loads in the senior executive level leaderships as well. And no, it, it shouldn't rest. This is not just for the organizations and corporates, but it should uh, reflect in other walks of our community as well. We should have more uh, lawmakers. We should have, uh, you know, ministers who are neurodiverse and people and disabled people with disabilities as ministers, lawmakers or governors. In all walks of life, we need people in the leadership roles who will help make, you know, create the right decisions and policies for neurodiverse or the people with disabilities. That is one thing. And uh, second thing is, you know, these are things which has to be inculcated right from an early age. So if you take up the curriculum, school curriculum, you know, uh, there are many important aspects of life, which is very, very important for, uh, you know, uh, the child's growth is being ignored usually. And, uh, you know, uh, having disability awareness programs as a part of a school curriculum will teach the child to be more accepting of people who are different from themselves or more accepting of people with disabilities and uh, have developing a lot more tolerance. And, you know, they'll also be more you know, coming up, they'll be more emotionally intelligent as well. These are key skills which has to be taught as a part of school curriculum. And uh, our Indian curriculum, particularly, not all. There are schools where, you know, these things are still taught. But the majority of the schools do not have such things as a part of the curriculum. There are like 1% to 3% of the schools right now, itself, they have disability awareness training and they also have emotional intelligence training and all that. But not all schools and 97% of the schools who do not have such training. So uh, teaching kids these important vital skills at an early age uh, will set the right examples. We are building the, you know, uh, inculcating the right habits and right process and right thoughts of thinking uh, from a very early age, which is very important. And uh, and this will also like prevent the other things like, you know, when, people, when a child learns how to be more accepting of uh, people who are different from each other, you know, there's no 
uh, it will also reduce other things like bullying you know at school you know neurodiverse people or people with disabilities or people who are very different you know are being bullied so all these things will come down as well as a result so uh, this is also uh, something which i would uh, highly recommend and um, yeah so these are some of my uh, you know decision some of my uh, thought process around this topic I agree completely with you, ma'am. And I also believe that it is very important for conversations around these topics to be had at all levels, often and, and even starting young. Only then will children be able to internalize these concepts and solutions to today's problems will arise to them naturally. Okay. My final question to you for the day is if you could just share some parting calls of wisdom with our listeners on how we can make this world a kinder and more inclusive place to live in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my uh, parting thoughts would be, uh, you know, we need uh, more advocates for uh, accessibility of technology. Technology can play a huge role. And uh, in how, uh, you know, it can have a huge impact on people with disabilities and uh, people who are neurodiverse. And uh, so we need more advocates and uh, there should be more aggressiveness in advocating as well. Right now, it is just one of the agendas for organizations. Organizations should start making it a top priority because the pace at which they do, you know, if they just make it a one of the thousand things which they do, you know, the pace at which uh, the progress happens is going to be very slow. They should make it as a top priority. That is also more important. And engaging in inclusive communication is very, very important. People, uh, we are very careless about, uh, you know, a lot more about how we speak we don't pay a lot more attention to you know how we speak and how our words are going to impact the other people as well so inclusive communication has to be uh you know uh given a lot more importance so you know or maybe if a person is working in an organization organizations can come up with inclusivity training and not just right now i see a lot of organizations having inclusive leadership training so inclusivity is not restricted to leadership alone i mean every a to z all the employees in the company should be given these kind of inclusive training disability awareness trainings for all levels of everyone every employee in the company should be given and it's not like one time in a year it has to be like a frequent intervals like you know every month there should be one hour of training or something like that at frequent intervals uh you know these trainings should be given otherwise people might forget it and not uh you know practice it diligently so having such trainings at regular intervals is important for all levels is also important not just for organizations it should be like uh, penetrating the impact should also come through communities as well other communities as well so and uh, uh, yeah and one more thing is revision of policies some of the policies for people with disabilities are outdated because we are progressing at a very fast speed the policies which were there 20 years back does not apply for the current generation or you know it has to be relooked and revised as well not policies when i mean i mean all kinds of policies like legal policies work policies disability rights a lot more revision has to happen for all of these policies most of them are outdated so you know the 
government should also play an active role in revision of pol legal policies and uh, you know uh, organizations should also rework their legal policies and things like that at regular intervals and uh, yeah these are uh, some of my uh, suggestions for a more inclusive and kinder world and thank you so much once again like for uh, making me part of this uh, session and uh, you know i really enjoyed being part of the session and thank you so much for the opportunity and you're doing fantastic work keep doing great work <laughs> thank you so much ma'am and i absolutely loved your response i can tell you that i learned so much from interacting with you right now and even in the neurodiversity summit your insightful and thought provoking responses are food for thought for all of our listeners young and old and they'll definitely help us all internalize how we can make this world a kinder and more human place to live in thank you so much once again it's been a pleasure to have you thank you so much sen best wishes for your future episodes and uh, you know best wishes for everything you do have a great uh, new year 2023 uh, yeah thank you thank Bye -bye. you so much